I love I love the film art world a lot. You know, I still watch. I mean, I have like an endless connection collection of Blu-rays behind me, and very proud of my Criterion collection, Blu-ray collection. So. <laughs> My brother, he's always telling me he loves Criterion Collection, and he's always saying, "Hey, have you seen this and this?" I've never heard of them, and I, I need to watch the ones he's telling me because he loves he loves exploring that that aspect of film, and, and just he's so into that. Um, That's cool. I'm curious though, um, in terms of production, with all your years of experience that you've got now under your belt, are there still aspects of video production or editing that you find challenging that you still want to master or get better at? Yeah, it's a good question. I think one of the things about doing something that you love is you want to always get better. I always want to get better anyway. I mean, if you love it, like there's always a new challenge. One of the things that I do when I watch film now is I analyze the shot composition and the lighting and all the things. And I, I know where my weaknesses are. I probably have my weakest is in lighting and cinematography. I'm very strong in kind of verite camera work and editing. I've been, you know, basically professionally editing since I was like 21, 22, or you know, making money doing that. Editing since I was 16. Uh, I still love to edit. I still love to get my camera out and frame up good shots and stuff. Um, it's hard for me to keep up on all the new technology and everything. I, I, it's like I'm already kind of becoming an old dude, like the old dude in the room. It's like everybody's talking about all the new cameras and the gadgets and all the things. And I'm like, I still use the same old tried and true, you know, whatever works to tell the story. Because at the end of the day, it's storytelling. So there's endless amounts of ways to tell stories. And so the, there is no end to the mastery of how to tell a good story, in my opinion. So I'm hoping that, you know, I would love to keep, you know, I would, I would love to be doing this in my 60s and 70s, like some of these, some of the great directors that are still doing stuff, you know, but, you know, one step at a time, one, one foot in front of each other, in, 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 you know, in, in, in front yeah. of you, yeah, so. Uh, tell me about the, the Pat Tillman Foundation and how I ended up seeing you, you know, at the start of the football, uh, the Super Bowl for the coin toss. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Boy, what a humbling experience that was going to the Super Bowl, which was an extraordinary honor and very grateful to the Pat Tillman Foundation for and the NFL, you know, for giving us that opportunity. And, and I got to bring my son, who, you know, is a big football fan and had a great time there. And um, let's see, how did that start? When I was at USC, I applied to the Pat Tillman Foundation for a scholarship and I got in and it's a very low acceptance rate. They had like, they only have, they have a class, they accept 60 people a year out of over 2,000 people who apply. Uh, it's open to veterans, active duty or military spouses. And it's an amazing foundation who's doing a whole bunch of amazing things. So to give a quick background, if I could share a little bit about Pat Tillman, uh, what he did, I always like to share what, what he is about. You know, he was an all, uh, you know, a basically an all-American football star that was at you know Arizona State University. He did great for them. Um, got into the NFL was offered a whole bunch of different, he could have gone to a lot of different teams, but he wanted to stay in Arizona because he was loyal to Arizona and took a, basically a pay cut for the first couple of years to stay with the Arizona Cardinals. Then 9-11 happened and 
uh, he, there's a, you know, the, the speech at the beginning of that video, you know, that he just felt like he wanted to do something. And he gave up, I think it was like a $3.4 million contract for the next couple seasons to join the military with the Rangers. So he joined the military uh, as an army ranger with his brother. They did a tour to Iraq. Uh, then they came back and he got another offer to go play with the Se Seattle Seahawks for like nine million bucks. And the military said that we will allow you to leave the military early, which never happens. The only way you leave the military early is with a dishonorable discharge in prison. You don't, they don't let you go until the end of that contract, the very last day. And he said no to that. And there's rumblings that he was not a big fan of these wars. Some of that stuff is in the book uh, that, that uh, John Krakauer writes called Where Men Win Glory. There's another great book that was written by his mom, uh, Mary Tillman, called uh, Boots on the Ground at Dusk, which talks about the subsequent, uh, her perspective of b raising him and the subsequent uh, problems that happened after he was killed. And I, I'll mention that real quick too. Uh, but then he went to Afghanistan, and I think it was about three or four weeks within that tour, he was killed by friendly fire. Sadly, our military attempted to cover it up. They, uh, it was very, all of that is in some of these books that I just mentioned that are worth looking into because I think it's a very, it is a very shameful side of the wars, the shameful side of what happened during those administrations and, and, the, and the generals that tried to, basically they wrote, they wrote in a, a, a war that he was attacking the Taliban and they gave him a silver star, but really um, there was big confusion within the unit and he was killed by accident and friendly fire. And it's a horrible tragedy that happened. And they basically tried to sell the American people on uh, a different story. And, and, the mo and as the details started to come out, the mother really uh, brought out a lot of this to light and made, set the record straight to a, to a large degree and there were congressional inquiries and a lot of stuff. So that's like the very huge tragedy, and obviously the, the tragic loss of life of Pat is a, is a loss that Americans should be still grieving. Uh, but what happened after that is he was married to a woman named Marie Tillman, who also wrote a book called The Letter. It's a beautiful book about her perspective about losing Pat. Millions of dollars were sent to her after he was killed. And she decided with some of the friends of the fam and the family that they wanted to start a foundation that gave money to scholarship money to veterans for higher education. And so they started the Pat Tillman Foundation, I believe in 2009. And they basically raised millions of dollars a year. NFL is a big contributor, a lot of big contributors out there that are giving money to the Pat Tillman Foundation to give uh, money, scholarship money to all of these uh, amazing veterans. I'm actually right now uh, <laughs> part of the people that have to read the resumes and the, and the essays of the next 60 that we're supposed to choose. And just extraordinary Americans that are trying to do amazing things. And there's a great community. There's now about 800 Tillman scholars and they're all over the map of science, business, law, health, very small humanities art group. We're like the little outcasts who sit in the corner and like talk about film. Uh, but, but um, and they're doing amazing things throughout the country for their communities for America. 
So, uh, I don't know why they chose me to be part of the four. Maybe because I'm kind of a loud mouth. I don't know. I like to talk about, I like to really talk about Pat. I like to talk about his memory, what he did. Um, but it was a great honor to be there. And there, you know, anybody who wants to still donate. And Pat's run, it's an annual run, takes place in Tempe, Arizona. It's next week, actually. And it's an amazing event. There's over, I think, 35 to 40,000 people come out every year to run. And it's in honor of Pat, and it's a great event. So there you go. That's my, that's my, uh, my whole Pat Tillman Foundation spiel. Well, how did you, how did they tell you that, hey, you're going to the Super Bowl, you know, for this? So Dan Futrell is the CEO of the Tillman Foundation. And I was, had just finished feeding my kids dinner and was doing the dishes and he texts me and he goes, hey, uh, do you have a minute? Uh, I'm like, sure. So we talked and he said, there's an opportunity uh, over the Super Bowl weekend to have a meeting a dinner with sponsors uh, because you know they like to have Tillman scholars sit down with people that are donating big, big big amounts of money with the corporations and stuff to like talk about what's going on and what kind of work we're doing and that kind of thing and I had done that before so that's what I thought it was and he's like okay we're gonna have a meeting about it tomorrow if you could if you can make this date which was Super Bowl day but I'm just like I don't know where it was gonna be maybe it was like in LA who knows he was very vague about it and so we had a meeting, we had a Zoom call with the folks that were gonna be there and all of a sudden JJ Watt gets on the call. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then he tells us that we're going to the Super Bowl and that we're going to be on the field for the coin toss and we're gonna to be the honorary captains. And I was just like, I was telling myself, you're not supposed to get emotional and cry in front of JJ Watt, right? You just like gotta suck it in. But it was, I was, I was kind of speechless and very honored and, you know, it was a really amazing experience. Um, they made a, a really touching video about this, the foundation uh, and I was just honored to be a part of it. And the game was amazing. They gave, they, gave, they gave us really good seats. The guys behind us were talking about the pricing of the seats and I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you NFL. <laughs> did, I mean, did your kids get to go with you to the game? My son. So they only gave us two seats and I have a daughter too. And so I had to break it to my daughter that I'm taking my son because he's, he plays tackle football. He's a big football fan. He follows it and it made sense to her. But boy, did she bribe me. She got a Manny, a Petty, some cash and some shopping. So I kind of had to flower her with some bribery to, to, to make her not so disappointed that she didn't get to go. Because she's also a Rihanna fan. So she was mad that she got to miss the halftime show with Rihanna. My son, not, not so much. <laughs> Uh, was it your first uh, Super Bowl that you've been to? Yeah, it was my first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I'm, we're we're we're. Uh, I grew up. My dad's from Fort Worth, so we grew up Dallas Cowboys fans. Uh, my dad had gone to the Super Bowl when they had beat the Steelers in the '90s, actually in Arizona. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm still kind of a middle class type of guy. I don't know if I could. If these tickets are ridiculous these days, you know. Definitely. Um, I'd like to take a moment, you know, to talk about Mel Melanie. You, you, you touched on that a few moments ago about her battle with cancer. Um, and I mean, I, I, 
I am not a person that knits or makes those kind of things that she did. So, you know, I, I did, wasn't, you know, a follower of her on YouTube, but she had like millions of followers and she, she made some beautiful things of what I've seen. And I mean, do you still have some of her, you know, creations around the house? Yeah, we do. That's really, I'm glad you asked. And similarly to what I feel like gold star families feel like, I still love to talk about Melanie and what she was to me, what she was to our family, what she was to my children, and what she was to the community online. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit more, uh, I'm not as social media oriented, maybe as I should be. Uh, she did have a large following. She has o almost 900,000 followers on YouTube, uh, a couple hundred thousand on Instagram and Facebook, almost a million, a whole bunch of stuff, right? And she developed this, a, a, lot, of, a lot of times she developed this while I was gone. And she, she was a crafter, crocheter, quilter. Her YouTube content is still up. I still get emails from women and men who make her projects and stuff all the time. Um, and she was just a kind, warm woman who liked to create things with her hands and, and share it with an online community. You know, in a world where the social media can be extremely toxic, like she was a real light on social media and um, she was a good woman. And it was just a tragedy, you know, it's just a tragedy. It was like a rare cancer that kept coming back and we just couldn't, we couldn't defeat it anymore. And, um, and I wanted to tell her story in film documentary format. So it's a very vulnerable film. We talk a lot about the whole process. It's my, basically my whole life with her in 85 minutes or whatever. And um, I, think, I think it's a beautiful film that shows the struggle of, of a family dealing with cancer and a woman who did it as honorably and as good as you could probably do it. Going to the hospital. It's time for surgery. So today is the 28th. She passed January 12th. So it's been two weeks. It's been about 14 days. So me and Mel, talked a lot about how to frame her story. And she's like, I trust you with my story and I wanna help people. And if I could help a couple people with my story, do what you wanna do. The tumor that was on my kidney and benign, turns out it has come back and it's in multiple places in my abdomen um, and it's not benign anymore. And I just sit and wait, again. So I'm in Virginia filming literally quadriplegics and their journey from trying to get movement and all that kind of stuff. And they go outside, we're at lunch with my crew and Melanie calls me crying. And she's like, the doctor just called me and all like the tumors have come back with a fury and it was just like full-blown, they're back. We can't do another surgery at this point because she's too weak, it's coming back too quickly, and the last one didn't work. Because <laughs> it's too vulnerable, it's too painful. I think, there's, I think there's some things that are too private. And we shaved her head and she literally just wept the whole time I was doing it. It was one of the moments where it was just like, this thing is beating me right now. I didn't want to do this chemo. I didn't want to do Red Devil. 
I didn't want to lose my hair. I didn't want to give in. She didn't want to ever give in and say that this thing was licking her. Now it's making you shave your hair. Now it's making you feel sick. Now it's making you vomit and do all this other stuff. It's like, it's, this stuff is winning. And I love her very much. I was so filled with love toward her watching this progress. And it was almost like daily. I envied the, the minutes with her. I remember going to Walmart and being annoyed by how slow everybody was because I want to get back to my wife so I could watch Friends with her because I miss her and I know she's dying. We either uh, try another form of treatment with no guarantee, uh, just to try to get it stable, or we just stop doing anything and start treating uh, her symptoms to make her as comfortable as possible. It's not fair for me or for our kids or for this world. I, it was difficult. I didn't watch the whole thing because it, it was difficult for, for me to watch and to see the, the reality and things you don't always see on TV or in movies about, you know, people that deal with cancer. And I've never had a close relative that, that fought that, that hard battle. Um, so for me, it was, uh, difficult to watch at times. Um, but how was it for you? I mean, was it therapeutic in a way for you to capture that, capture her, her words, her feelings on, on film? Yeah, it was, you know, I, when the main, one of the main parts of the film is, uh, an interview that I took with her when, when we found out that her cancer had come back. And it was like a couple days before we were gonna go do a major surgery. And I just said, we gotta, we gotta, I want your whole story. I wanna hear the whole life story, you know? And so we go in the film, it's not just about her cancer journey, but also about her life. That's why we call it Made with Melanie, because it talks about how she developed her love for crafting and quilting. And there's a lot of like, you know, positive talking about family and raising a family and a military spouse and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, sorry, what was the question? I got off a little oh, bit. I mean, was it oh, cathartic, yeah. Yeah, how was that? It was really difficult, actually, to do it. Uh, I, I, I basically, I was grieving so hard last year, and um, it was a good way for me to focus my grief. It was painful to look back at all of these good memories, good and bad, because like life is not perfect. Like we also had, I had hard times too. We had hard times, but we had a lot of good memories. So look through that. I actually had a co-editor who co-edited my Interpreters Wanted film too that helped me kind of sort through some of it and kind of string it together. And then I had to get in there and I looked at all of it and it was painful. And there were times, nights where I just like cried. You know, because what else are you going to do? It's just a painful thing. But it did. Once I finished it, it was, it felt like a huge burden lifted. And once I started to see, I mean, I still check the comments and the emails uh, pretty often from people who were touched by Melanie's life, who were touched by what she had did, who, who she was, and they still follow her. They still watch her videos and people are still watching the film and um, are writing me amazing comments about what, what an impact she had made. And that, it's kind, of an in, it's kind of an irony, I guess, of my life that 
I've always wanted to tell important stories about people that I thought were important. And I went to Afghanistan thinking I was going to film great heroes doing great acts of valor and all this stuff, and some of which I did. And to come home and do all these things about veterans and everything. And I had no idea that my first feature documentary would be about, you know, another dear hero of mine and my wife. So it was, uh, it was very helpful. I think it was good for our family. I, I sat and watched it with my children. I think it's a gift for my children as they grow older. They could see the legacy that she left. And um, there's no moving on. I think when you talk to people who have lost people, there's, it doesn't move on. It just kind of changes and gets better with time. But I do feel like it helped me say, okay, like I have to get, she would want me and she told me that I have to keep going. I have to keep going for my children. I have to keep going for my family and I have to keep going for her because I can't just sit in my misery. Um, and so I think that, that that did help me kind of like feel like I was kind of closing out a chapter a little bit, which is just sad. I mean, it's just a sad tragedy of losing someone, you know. It wasn't meant to be like that, but sometimes, you know, God has different plans for us, so. Right, and I'm sure it's been a little over a year now, you know, ups and downs along the way. Overall, how are you and your children doing? Oh, that's kind of you to ask. I think we're doing good. I think we're doing good. Um, I'm just busy with work and my kids are playing sports. My daughter's doing volleyball. My son's doing uh, football. Right now he's doing lacrosse. He's, he's going to get back into football again. They're doing pretty good in school. I mean, we talk about Mel often. We miss her, obviously. And there is a hole. There's always going to be a hole. Uh, but, you know, we, I have great family support from her parents and my parents and uh, friends and family around us. And we just do the best we can. Some days are harder than others. You know, some days are like you wake up and you're just like, eh, I'd rather not get out of bed today. And so maybe you don't. I don't know. You just do the best you can. But yeah, we're doing doing better. Last year was pretty, pretty rough. But, you know, each I think each day, if I just keep pushing forward, it gets a tad better. And I, I don't want to end on a sad note, but is there something that you'd be willing to share with our viewers about Melanie? Something that you know, you don't mind sharing, but something that to this day you still maybe laugh out loud or it smiles every time you think about it. Hmm. Let me think about that for a second. Um, well, I'll talk big as b before I get to like a, maybe a story that I could think about. Because we had a lot of good times and a lot of laughing. You know, one of the things that I realized when you watch someone that you were married to for 15 years start to pass is all the little things that you take for granted all the little things that actually maybe annoyed you about about them or the things that you kind of miss about it. Um, but what are some of the things that... She was just a joyous woman. And um, one time, I think it was... <laughs> I was a... Um, not a handyman, I'll say that. I'm an artist and I've learned to have to do things with my hands and to like do... And I, she was, she was bugging me as sometimes you do in marriages to, you know, to fix the faucet because it was leaking. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I watched the YouTube video because that's where we get all of our information now. And I totally forgot to shut off the water. You know, <laughs> you got to turn it off. And I didn't forget. And I just started to mess with it. And it just geyser. And it was like hot geyser. It was like scalding hot all over the bathroom and she just stared at me and just 
couldn't stop belly laughing. And I'm like trying to cover it. And it was just, and eventually we realized that we needed to go downstairs and turn off the water and then continue it. But by then the kitchen was completely flooded. And uh, you know, it's times like that where you just feel like a complete idiot and you just have to laugh about it. And it's those kind of memories that, you know, are what I hold on to, you know. That's sweet of you to ask though. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I, you're welcome. And I just, it's, I get, it's something that nobody can know what it feels like unless you've gone through it. And it's, it's something that it's, it's hard for me to imagine, you know, but I mean, I, you're living proof. You, you know, you, you still think about her, obviously, you know, loved her so much. Uh, you, you're moving on like she wanted, uh, talking about her, sharing her, her, uh, keeping her memory alive, things like that. So it's, it's, it's proof that, you know, as hard as it is, you can, you can keep going, you can keep moving forward. And what other choice do we have? We have to just keep doing it. And these are things that we've probably all learned as we all go through our difficulties in life and coming out of COVID and seeing all the problems in the world and all of our personal problems and stuff. It's like, you know, we all have to just figure out how to, how to do it and move forward and yeah. And be nicer to each other. I mean, there's a, a friend of mine, he's a motivational speaker, and he always says, you know, be kind to everyone you meet because you don't know what struggle privately that they're going through. I love that. Absolutely. Like, I just, I find it kind of tragic that when we, I go to the grocery store, it's like, remember what we all went through, everybody, with all this COVID stuff? And we were all, you know, there, it, it affected so many people and that we're still so mean to each other. We're still talking so, and it's just like, I'm kind of over it. I'm kind of over all of that meanness. Like it doesn't get us anywhere. And the bitterness and the anger didn't get me anywhere because that led me to a dark place. So, uh, you know, I think if we could release that stuff, we're only going to get better. I'm all about love and peace now. So <laughs> it's too much pain in the world to focus on all the, all that other crap. Exactly. And through your, you know, your, your tribute video, you know, to Melanie and then the stories you continue to tell about, you know, our veterans and those that are, serving right now you know that is 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 sharing good things out into the world and showing people that uh, there are a lot of good people out there and we should be kinder to each other there are a lot of good people and sometimes it's hard to see that with social media and the media and and all the persons you know what frankly hollywood sometimes like to be honest i get a little tired of all the serial kill you know and i i watch my own share of of crap too and there's some good stuff about serial killers but like i'm a little over it like let's talk about some of these amazing people that are doing really good things in our society like heroes do exist there's good people out there and if we talk about them we share their stories maybe we can all collectively get a little bit better you know right and you don't have to be there's heroes of all kinds definitely your military heroes and but there's to your kids you know you could be their hero. I mean, you're right. living proof, you know, as much of a loss, great loss that you suffered and your children suffered. But by example, for them, you know, showing them that, that you can move forward, not forgetting, uh, but but being strong. And that's to me, a hero to your kids is the best of all. Oh, thank you. That's That means a lot. And that's true. It is true. It's something that I've had to learn some hard lessons about because sometimes, you know, I don't know if that comes a little harder for us men. Uh, you know, we want to go conquer the world or whatever we want to do. But I think sometimes just making their lunch and doing their laundry and making dinner for them is is something that I have to do. Um, so, and it's not always easy to be honest. But it's um, but that that's very kind, and I appreciate that. Thank you.
And I, I thank you for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to love to hear it when it comes out. And, and you know, anybody who wants to see my work, go to my website, um, Hammer Productions with no E. It was a acronym for uh, Ham Melanie Robert Productions.com. And uh, I'm still trying to make stuff and tell stories. So I really appreciate this time and very inquisitive, good questions. I appreciate you uh, listening to all of my blabbering. So thank you. Mm-hmm.